Welcome back, everyone, to our latest episode of High School Transcript. This is your host, Rowan, joined here by... Your co-host, Brayden, and we're here with Mr. Hensley, a former teacher and a current admin here at Lakeside with some very interesting stories to share with us today. We hope you guys enjoy hearing what he has to share. That sounds like a Flannery question. <laughs> if I have to... Hey, you know, it, I've been working out since high school, so on and off since high school. And, like, in the Marine Corps, I didn't work out very much. It was more running and um, cardio. But when I got out, I started coaching again. And some of the kids, you know, they were coaching wrestling. And some of the kids, you know, they, they had different techniques from what I was in. And so I had to, I had to figure out, you know, how I, what kind of equalizer am I going to come up with? So I started lifting weights really hard, and I figured if I was stronger than that, would give me just a little bit more advantage. Okay, so then this person just needs to step up their game a bit then. Yeah, eat right. Okay. And continue to go to the gym. The problem is, though, when you get older and you get my age, if you slow down, you can't stop. You, you know, the, your muscle will shrink and then you got enough, to, you know, something that will start swinging on your arm. And so it's, it's, it's something that, you, you know, you commit to. You got to think, okay, what do I want to look like when I'm 50? And shoot, that's around the corner for me. That's just only a couple of years. Okay, I gotta ask, what's your max bench? Well, are we talking uh, pre-COVID or post-COVID? <laughs> Just the highest you've ripped. Okay, pre-COVID, it was always my last rep was 315 10 times. I, I really never maxed because I was always working out by myself. Now, you know, I'll do 275 eight times. Do you see yourself after COVID getting back up to, to above three? No, I see myself taking a look at, you know, <laughs> as I get older, my body's falling apart. So it's like, you know, do I want to, you know, instead of heavy weights, which will really take a toll on your um, your tendons, your ligaments. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking more um, light rate, lightweight, more reps, get more into a leaner cardio type fit. What kind of student were you in high school? Well, I grew up in uh, Rubido and my sister kind of talked my mom into not having me go to that high school because I was in a lot of fights and she knew that that would continue. So my mom actually had me went to Notre Dame High School and it was it was a college prep school, private school, and uh, I don't think I was meant for the rigor at that time, but I, I tried for as long as I could to stick with it. So I was more of a... I would say a C student. I, you know, education was not my forte. Uh, I was more into sports. So football and wrestling was probably the only thing that kept me going. Um, I ended up leaving my junior year and going back to um, Harupa Valley High School, which was a new school that opened. And it just so happened uh, into my junior year, I became a volunteer fireman. So school was just a means for me to get to where I wanted to go. I wouldn't say I was a good student. There were certain subjects like English and writing and, believe it or not, poetry was something that I enjoyed. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't say that I was a scholar student at all, more of an athlete. Uh, what was your experience like as a volunteer firefighter uh, in your junior year of high school? It's tough. I believe at the time I was the youngest one in Riverside County at 17, and when you first start off, once you do your training and you go th um, through certain levels, you're able to you're able to go to fires and traffic collisions, but you're not able to do any medical aid until you have all your medical aid certs. And I think the hardest was 
at the beginning was to just sit there on the engine while let's say you're in a multi-vehicle collision and they're doing triage of who's going to get treated first because you're the first one on scene the interesting part is my senior year i was already in and um had all my certifications and had my uh firefighter one uh, academy behind me that i did with in-house so i had three classes which in a big giant beeper that if it went off in school i would just leave and go get paid for the fire that was going on at the time and all the medical part was that was just all volunteered work but you did get paid for the fires uh, my senior year was just a means to hopefully it ends so i could get on with life but i think that was the one thing that you know kept me going was having certain goals so I think a, a lot of students out there you know when they when they start thinking about what type of student they are they really need to start thinking of what type of an adult they want to be what type of goals do they want to set for themselves because a lot of them struggle and a lot of it has to do because they don't have goals set so my advice to those of you out there that don't know what you're doing start thinking about it you got to have something to reach for uh, how did you become involved in firefighting um, I had a friend of the family who was a captain at the time, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, they, it's not what you know, sometimes it's who you know, and I think that's how I got um, and it, kind of an easier access in just by, I went down there every day because it was around the corner from where I grew up, and, and, you know, the beginning of my junior year, I just bugged them all the time, hey, are there any spots open, you know, when are you guys going to start testing again, and, you know, I think after, re, you know, going down there a lot, um, the captain at the time says, you know what, I'm going to look into this guy. So he had contacted my coaches and, you know, my administrators just to see what type of person I was and make sure that, you know, they were going to take on somebody that was uh, right for that department. How did your volunteer firefighting experience transition to an interest in joining the Marine Corps? Well, during that time, we had um, the Gulf War happening, the first one. And, you know, I spent my whole life listening to my grandparents and my father talk about, you know, between World War II and Guadalcanal to Vietnam, I've always had that, you know, I've always been an outdoor type person hunting and fishing my whole life. I, I had that, that need to, I need to do my part. So I actually resigned, um, took a leave of absence actually from the fire department and joined the Marine Corps. And I went in there on a Wednesday and I said, you guys better make this quick. Uh, you know, I went infantry, I went west coast, and you better have it in a week or I might change my mind. And they, then the following Wednesday, I was in boot camp. What was your MOS during your time? I was 0341 mortarman, which I was excited when they announced that's what I was because I was thinking, all right, I got the big mortar, I'm going to be in a Humvee, I'm not going to have to do all this hiking anymore. Well, I was 60 Mike Mikes, which are the smaller ones, so you throw those on your back and you still have to hike them. So my experience was out in the field and training, kind of playing like cowboys and Indians every week. And then I got to go, uh, I was actually one of the lucky ones to get um, moved to an air wing unit, which they had the unmanned aerial vehicle. I spent my last year with them and kind of got to see what the air winger side was and got to go over to um, Bosnia for a tour. What was that like? Um, they don't touch too much about it in the history books, but it's, it's, it was, it's kind of our generation of uh, society that went through ethnic cleansing. You had the Croatians, the Serbians, and you know, just different Muslims, and you had different people all living together. And then they, um, they, they kind of like started clearing out their own towns. 
uh, they started battling within themselves. So if a town was predominantly Serbian, you know, if, if you were a Muslim or Croatian, then you were basically either murdered or kicked out. It was a lot of mass suicides, a lot of graves, and they threw us uh, over there towards the end after all the destruction had happened. So we got to see a lot of the aftermath of, you know, what an ethnic, ethnic cleansing would kind of look like, and it, it, was, it was pretty eye-opening. What was your most memorable or biggest takeaway that you had from your time in the Marine Corps? I would have to say probably in Bosnia, just uh, observing all the new graveyards or the old graveyards that were flooded and all the buildings that were damaged and destroyed to kind of, if you'd picture what you see in the in the show or in the, in the documentaries you watch about World War II and you see where all the buildings are collapsed because they've been bombed entire cities and it was kind of like uh, seeing them rebuild and just the devastation that they went through and to you know, we don't we don't know what it's like here to live in a lawless society, but over there, I guess you can compare it to the Wild West. You know, you could walk into anywhere with any gun you wanted to, and there was no really no law, no money. You know, product became items as as far as what you would barter with. How many years did you serve in the Marine Corps? Four years. Four years. How many tours through those four years? Just one? Just to Bosnia. Then everybody does their pack over to Okinawa. And from there in Okinawa, you usually get onto um, a ship and you could hit the, like we went to the Philippines for about three months. What was your rank when you got out? I was a Corporal E4. What was it like when you got shipped to the Philippines? What did you guys do there? Just Well, we were there for the um, reenactment of the Leyte Gulf landing where MacArthur and off history buffs would know where they see the picture of MacArthur walking through the water. Um, we did that same uh, reenactment, and it just so happens it was basically a small village, and they probably hadn't seen Americans for probably since they were <laughs> MacArthur was there. So it was quite interesting, their eyes as they see us land and wondering what we were doing. But uh, getting, to, getting to know the Philippine Marines, they call them the Filmars, that we, we exchanged a lot of ideas, a lot of training, a lot of it was jungle training. So a lot of it, in a sense, is um, if you can picture the time that you're in field, you know, an entire month and a half of nothing but sleeping in the rain and constantly being wet. If there was someone that was contemplating joining the Marine Corps or the military in any capacity, would you encourage it or discourage it? It just depends on, uh, on what you want out of it. Um, uh, you know, it's my philosophy is it's, you know, it, it's easy to be hard, but it's hard to be smart. You know, if you, I've, I've been to, uh, I've been on a, uh, in Okinawa, we, you know, we, we would go to the Air, Air Force Base and they had the best food. They had the best lodging. They had, they even had clubs on there, uh, which we weren't, Marines weren't allowed in because we were too rowdy, which was quite funny. <laughs> but <laughs> if you could get into the Air Force, get into the Air Force, you know, if, if you want to travel on a ship, join the Navy. Never, don't join the Navy if you, if you don't know how to swim or you've never been on a ship before. Please. And the Marine Corps is a branch of the, it's a small branch of the Navy, so a lot of it, Marine Corps is the same thing. If you, know, if, if you don't like water, then you're not going to like the Marine Corps because you've got a, a hefty swim qual you've got to get through. Do you have any fun or interesting stories throughout your Marines? I don't think I have too many that I can, um, that would be appropriate. 
<laughs> if you can imagine the military, for anybody that's thinking about it, I mean, it's a great avenue towards earning something towards college as far as money, but it's also you're getting a paycheck, and a lot of the life in the military is is kind of like a college life, but you don't have homework tacked onto it. There's some studying, but it's nothing like it's nothing like college. So a lot of it is you know free time to do what you want to do, and you have a paycheck as a young person. So it's you know it's it's quite different than you know living at home and you you know you're working at a fast food place and you're just barely making ends meet. In the military, you had an opportunity to you know survive and, and, and enjoy life. What did your life um, look like after your time in the Marine Corps? Where did that take you? Well, since I was infantry, you know, that's another thing for those of you out there that want to go infantry. Think about this. When you get out, what are you qualified for? Well, you could go into the police department. You can, I don't know, do the black ops with the private, you know, um, companies. But you're really not qualified or anything. So if you're going to join, you know, at least pick a skill, pick a job that that you could do. When I got out... um, I had a choice. Am I going to go back to the fire department? So I went to, I went back to the fire department, and asked my captain. I said, you know, so what's it like here? And it was quite different. You know, I, I could have got back into the fire department because I took a leave of absence, but the problem was is um, it, everything had changed, um, and I really wanted to use the money for college. And since no one in my family, immediate family, went to college, I said, you know, I'm going to try college out. So I worked at Nestle Distribution Center, which was near my house, and drove a forklift and went to college full-time. What was your college experience like? Uh, <laughs> well, I was a lot older than everybody else, so if you could, if you guys ever watched Billy Madison, that's what it was like. <laughs> Sitting in a room when you, you look like you're 20 years old and everybody else it looks like they're in middle school or elementary school. So it was quite different. You know, you notice the big, you know, the mature the maturity level of, uh, of uh, students at a college was not, you know, equal to mine and but you know I, I had to work full-time so it really was never a, a college life for me what college did you attend I uh, went to RCC which uh, if anybody's looking for a community college the, to start off with RCC is a great campus I went to the main one in Riverside and then um, I went to Azusa Pacific University what did you major in uh, behavioral science what was your motivation for that major where did you see yourself going with that uh, at first, it was social work, but meeting my wife, and she was already in education, she kind of like stirred me towards, well, you know, you'd be a great uh, special ed teacher. Why don't you come down and try it out? Why don't you take, you know, the C-Best and start substituting? So my, <laughs> actually, my first teaching assignment was the long-term substitute in kindergarten, which was, you know, I didn't like it very much because... <laughs> I, I, I had more of a connection with the older kids and singing songs every morning, and it just you know it just wasn't me. But um, I, I really gravitated towards uh, special needs students, and I would imagine because I you know helped out with Special Olympics you know in the past. Um, so how did you end up here at Lakeside from RCC? Like during that time between that gap, where were you? What did it look like for you? Well, you know I I grew up in in Rubido lived in Pedley, which is right next to Rubido. That's where my wife and I first, you know, had our house. And I, my first teaching uh, uh, assignment was at um, Colton High School. I was there for five years. And uh, two years into, uh, we moved to Marietta. And after um, making the drive for so many years, I decided that, you know, I, I want to work closer to home. So I, you know, being a, a special education teacher, you got to 
uh, it was such a demand that you know you have an opportunity to really choose if you're qualified you could choose kind of the district that you want to go to so I I put my applications in with Temecula I put in with Marietta I put them in with Elsinore and I actually went to um, Elsinore like a, a job fair and they offered me a job right away and then the other two districts offered me a job and I just felt Elsinore was closer to what I was used to at Colton you know the the teachers the students and and I felt that you know that was kind of my cup of tea that environment so uh, that's why I chose uh, Lakeside. How has your experience been here over the last 15-16 years that you've been here? Well going from Colton to Lakeside my first year was it was eye-opening it was amazing because you know the we weren't rioting we weren't you know students weren't revolting it was a quiet campus it still is a quiet campus and it, it it just felt like you know an easy environment where you know students had the opportunity to excel if they wanted to and and you you didn't have a lot of uh, pressures on you that some of the other big giant schools where they had multiple things that were kind of dragging education down you know lakeside was like i said just you know just kind of a smooth sailing easy environment to get used to and i think a lot of students feel the same way um, do you have any really memorable or moments that stuck out to you um, with your time at Lakeside? Well, there's there's just so many of them. I mean, how can you? I would say the the best moments for me, because being a, a special education teacher for 20 years, and kids who have to you know these the, these students have to work uh, harder than your typical student, and just to see them graduate after four years and you spend four years with them. And many parents, you know, they get excited, you know, graduation. But it's kind of like teaching for me was, you know, I get to, I get it every year. And that was the main hook for me is every year I get to, I get to spend four years with a group of students, and then try my best to have them succeed in life, and then hopefully, you'll hear back from them in a year or two that they're successful. So how has Lakeside changed since you've been here? Uh, it really hasn't. It's always been the campus. It was always, it's always has been and should be the campus for a student that, you know, is looking to fit in somewhere, uh, looking for uh, something that's quiet and l relaxed and laid back. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, a lot of students, you know, they transfer in and out of Lakeside. But if, if you have a student that goes from, you know, Lakeside to Temesco Canyon, and then you talk to them later, they're, they're, nine times out of ten that you know I like Lakeside better. Um, what caused you to transition from a teacher, um, if it's my understanding uh, you were a science teacher to an administrator, what caused you to apply for that position and how have you been so far experience-wise? Well you know it's 20 years of teaching special education you, you, you help out like on a small scale and you really don't know how much you can do as an administrator until you're in that role. So instead of, you know, to put it on a scale, instead of helping out, you know, a small section of the school, you, you're able to branch out and try to unite and make the school better in all sorts of directions rather than just one. How has your experience been so far uh, being an administrator? What have you noticed as the big, I guess, culture shock for you? I really can't say it's it's a culture shock because I, I know the I knew the students and I and I knew the staff so it's different than someone being an administrator new you know brand new on a campus you don't know 
you know the students or the staff but you know as far as you know what I know from other schools in my experience that Lakeside what sets us apart and what I really enjoy is the fact that we have a lot of teachers who care and I think we have a lot more than most high schools that are willing to go out of their way to help students. Do you miss teaching? Um, right now because I don't you know I don't have the connection on a daily basis with a certain groups of students that I, you do as a teacher that aspect but then again you get to meet a lot more students as an administrator than you do as a teacher. Where do you see your um, administrative career taking you from here? This will be the edited <laughs> awkward silence. That's fine. I think as uh, an administrator you have to spend some time somewhere to make things happen uh, you know teachers can all agree with me and students who may you know have seen the process where things try to get started and there's no follow-through and that has to do with movement so it's, it, it takes some time I would say that you have to be an administrator for some time in a particular spot if you want to make change and make some type of movement. Is that you saying that you're going to be an administrator here for a while? If, if it was up to me, a lot of times it's not up to you, but if it's up to me, yeah, I can't see myself working anywhere else right now. Good to hear. What would you say to a student that wants to become a teacher? What advice would you give them? Um, well, you know, all the... All <laughs> All the time I hear it, mainly from boys, you know, if I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a history teacher, which is great. You know, you want to, you basically need to have a job that you want to go to every single day that you know that after, you know, 20, 30 years that you're not going to get tired of it. But the problem with certain positions in teaching is, you know, there's only so many of them. So if you want to be a history teacher, you're kind of limited on the area you want to go to, what job openings. I mean, you, sometimes you have to wait for teachers to retire before a spot will open up. You know, and that's the same with PE and some of the other ones that are, just don't have that many positions that open up often. Um, if, if someone was motivated and they really wanted to work with students and they really wanted to challenge and they, they had a good heart, uh, special education. I mean, you, can't, you can't go wrong. You, you basically are going to be always in a need, and you'll have more opportunities. So if someone came to me, hey, what, if I, I, I could teach just about anything, what should I do? I'd kind of lead them towards math, science, English, and special education. Those are the main jobs in need. What did you enjoy so much about teaching special ed? The stories. Some of the students, I mean, I, I could write a book of... Uh, what they didn't know, just simple things that a typical student may know and what they didn't, and, and just to be involved in teaching them, you know, one more thing, one more, you know, tool, you know, that they needed in their toolbox of life, you know, to get by. So I think, I think that you're talking about students that may have learning disabilities, but you're also talking about students that have really big hearts. You're talking about students that may have, you know, behavioral issues. And teaching special education gives you an idea that, you know, there's, there's a reason behind every behavior. And then you, you, have to, you have to think outside the box when you're dealing with students because that's your, that's your job. Your job is to teach them, uh, you know, those, those hard skills and those soft skills. So you say stories. So do you have any, like, favorite stories 
with the special ed kids? I would say my favorite stories are always the return or when I see them, you know, you know, a student who struggled in high school who you, you were like hoping would make it in life, but you had that like, oh man, I, I just, I don't know. And then you, you give it your all. And then, you know, four years down the road, you run into them in a grocery store and uh, they're, you know, they're working, you know, as an engineer or, or as a developer. And I would say my favorite stories has to be running into them after they graduate from high school and just seeing how much they did accomplish. How have you felt about the whole distance learning format? Have you, how have you been personally affected? I think it takes away the, the human aspect of it. I mean, we all, we don't, you know, we're not designed right now. We haven't been evolved to learn from a screen. You know, there's a lot of things we're missing out on body language, um, you know, eye contact. You know, it's, you're setting yourself up into an auditory learning environment because, you know, most kids will have the camera off and they're just sitting there listening. Uh, what are they retaining? Well, if you're an auditory learner, you're going to retain a lot. Um, I would say that, you know, to the kids out there that feel like I'm not learning anything. Well, you know, contrary to that belief, you're, you're learning a lot. You're learning how to work through a tough environment. You're learning how to show up on time and be responsible and to have a certain workload that you're responsible for for turning in. I mean, if you think about it, that's the qualities that a employer wants to see. You know, if you if you take, you know, trigonometry, are you really going to use trigonometry in a job? It just depends, you know. If, if you know, it, it could happen, but more or less, you know, that higher level thinking is basically going to train your brain to be able to solve complex problems. For you personally, though, um, and you and your job, have you found it harder to do your job effectively in the distance learning format or easier? I would find it harder because, like I said, it's a loss of connection and everybody is spread out. So it's if we need to accomplish something, it has to be through a meeting, but everybody else has certain meetings that they're going on. There's there's none of it coming together around a table and, and really, you know, getting down to what needs to be done. A lot of it is spread out and, I don't know, may want to edit some of that too. <laughs> <laughs> We're editing right now. <laughs> During this distance learning format, what have you found yourself doing in your spare time when you're not working? Well, my girls are growing up. I have one in middle school, two in high school, and one in college. And right now I'm really focusing on, you know, what their interests are because you know with sports you know the, all of them had, were athletes and their sports were shut down and they had to go different avenues so I would say in my spare time you know I grew up you know being in the outdoors I wasn't the type of kid that would watch sports even though I played every sport out there I don't watch sports I don't you know they say well, you, you know you, a bunch of guys will get together and like, oh did you see the game last night I'm like basketball they're like yeah that's not even for three months what are you talking about no football I'm like well, I don't know I watch the fishing channel you know if I watch anything uh, but being in the outdoors, you know, it's it and my kids and being able to take them and kind of experience how I grew up and taking them camping, that's kind of been the main outlet for me. And my youngest daughter, she, you know, I, once again, something I grew up with is, was horses. My mom was, you know, she did barrels and rode in the rodeo. So I spent my Sundays, you know, at the rodeo grounds just about, I think, every single Sunday through elementary school and even did Jim Canner myself until I realized, until I was old enough to realize that why am I the only boy doing this? It's mainly the girls doing it. So I kind of stopped after that, but 
my daughter, you know, I, I got into calf roping uh, later on in life, and I did bareback bronc. And then my daughter, she wanted to do barrels. And it was all on her own. It wasn't for me. And I kind of got back into the whole uh, ranch thing, taking care of horses and watching her go through that process of learning how to train a horse. And it, I, that's kind of been my main outlets right now. Most of you wouldn't think of cleaning out a horse pen or cleaning out the manure in a cow pen would be therapeutic, but to me it kind of is. What does your family look like at home? <laughs> I have a wonderful wife who's been a uh, uh, elementary school teacher and a special education teacher. I have four wonderful daughters, uh, one in middle school, uh, two in high school, and one in college. Uh, they're all good students. Uh, I don't have to go home and tell them to do their work, which is, you know, great. I mean, they, they do everything on their own. Uh, some do it better than the others. Um, my oldest daughter, she, play, you know, we did the parent game. She played water polo since she was seven. So it was, you know, water polo season was year round. So we spent a lot of our lives going to tournaments. And um, I would say she wanted to go to back east when she uh, graduated high school and played water polo division one out there so she went to Iona and then realized that you know Iona, back east water polo is nothing like California for those of you who don't know California is the mega hub when it comes to water polo we are the best our division three will beat their division one back east no problem so she's currently at uh, San Diego State right now and with COVID, everything was locked down. There's no sports. So she's, you know, doing the college life, working full time, having, you know, having a ball. Do any of your kids um, have interests in the same hobbies that you currently have or that you had as a kid? No. My oldest, she, <laughs> she wants to, my oldest wants to, uh, she wants to do um, uh, law enforcement. And she knows she's going to have to start off um in a department whether it's city state or federal but her main thing is to get she wants to be a game warden my oldest was kind of like my little hunting buddy growing up and you know she did she spent a lot more time out in the field with me than the rest of them and i think any any family could say that you know sometimes the oldest gets spoiled than the more than the others and it's kind of true without a doubt so i know you're a big sports guy right in high school do all your girls play sports uh water polo for the oldest um, my daughter, who's a senior, has been in uh, color guard, and then um, my daughter, who is a sophomore, is um, cheer and stunt. And then my youngest, uh, she used to do dance, but she got into the whole barrel racing, so she's 100% strictly a ranch girl now. When you say your daughters are sophomores and seniors, is that high school grade levels? High school. Yeah. Why don't they go here? Why don't they go here? Yeah. Because my wife works for Marietta, okay. and she's the boss. <laughs> what does your wife do in the Marietta School District? She's a special education uh, elementary school teacher at Lisa J. Mills, which is only five minutes from our house. So she's kind of lucky. I'm probably 30 minutes from Lakeside. Did your wife teaching special ed, did she influence you in teaching special ed? No, she was actually um, just a fourth grade teacher at the time I met her. And um, she had an opportunity to, when we had kids that were really young, she kind of stopped teaching and just took care of the kids. And then she had to decide, does she want to go back into the classroom as a, you know, gen ed teacher or does she want to do something different? And she 
basically wanted to work in Marietta. She wanted, you know, to work at this specific site, which was right by the house. So she kind of leaned towards uh, special education because, like I said earlier, she knew that she would have a better opportunity to gain employment in that district and kind of have a pick of, you know, which school she wanted to go to. Where does she see herself going with her career? Does she plan on remaining a special education teacher? Yes, or does she have until she retires. She will be a special education teacher t until she retires. And I have to admit, she could probably do circles around me, which is not too hard, but she, she's a really good teacher and uh, really inspirational and kind of was what, you know, kept me going too sometimes when um, it wasn't feeling 100%. Did you meet your wife during or before college or... When did you meet her? Oh, so <laughs> I met my wife right when I got out of the Marine Corps and I was working for Nestle. My mom just so happened to be the principal secretary at a school site. So she's calling and says, oh, they're having a Christmas party, a bunch of teachers. And she was actually trying to set me up with somebody else. So I went to the party and she would set me up with somebody else and it didn't happen. I, you know, I chose who I wanted to choose. <laughs> So my mom was my wife's secretary, which, you know, doesn't go hand in hand with uh, mothers and daughter-in-laws sometimes. Do you think that you and your wife being in the realm of education has had any influence on your daughter's career choices or future paths? I, I think that I think it has. I mean, they see how hard that certain students that we talk about whether it's at the high school level or at the elementary school level and the struggles that they have and just the, the gifts that they were born with as far as learning, I think it's really opened their eyes up to, you know, that understanding that, you know, there are certain things that I was born with that, you know, other people have to struggle the entire time or their whole lives, you know, to accomplish or it's easier for me. So they got to, you know, they and they're, they're more, I don't know, we we'll have to edit this long pause. I would say they're they're more passionate towards students with special needs, where your typical student wouldn't recognize certain things, but because they've always heard us talking, they you know let's say for example a student who may have autism who kind of you know uh, is atypical and you know has trouble with uh, you know socializing, where my daughters could pick up on that and you know include them in their friend group and have an understanding of you know where the student is coming from and kind of shield them from the rest of the students who you know are completely oblivious to you know what their disability is do any of your daughters have any similar career aspirations uh, to your and your wife's professions my uh my daughter who's a senior right now she's really into art and one of her choices would be um, to be an art teacher but she you know she's young and she has that vision of getting out there and going to New York City and getting in a studio and that but she always knows that she 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 could live a happy life you know teaching kids about art yeah. all right thank you mr. Hensley for coming on and sharing some stories it was my pleasure you guys uh, thank you for doing this um, hopefully a lot of students you know get to hear it and Hopefully a lot of students start, you know, kind of listening and understanding that, you know, their their choices in life matter and that you're not going to succeed if you don't have goals. Start setting those goals. That's my main thing uh, that I want you to get out of this. And You know, you may not have an idea of exactly 
what you want to do after high school, but just setting goals is going to put you on the pathway. And as you probably heard from my podcast that, you know, there was many different, you know, career choices I've made, but I wouldn't have changed it because it's led me to where I am now. And sometimes it's a good way to look at it. You know, things happen for a reason. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great getting to talk to you. Make sure you guys drop us a follow on Instagram and Spotify at High School Transcript. And feel free to DM us any questions that you have for our guests that will be announced as they are coming up in the next couple of weeks. We hope you guys tune in next time.